0: I have a quiz for you. What's the Shabbos before Sukkot called? What do we call the Shabbat before Sukkot? And before you answer, what do we call the Shabbat before Shavuot? The answer is Shabbos, or Shabbat, depending on who you're talking to. But everyone knows that the Shabbat before Pesach has a special name it's Shabbat of Two days will be into Shabbat HaGodol. And for many of us, just one day, it's Shabbat HaGodol. The great Shabbos. There are many, many, many approaches. Why this weekend, we start with the Shabbat HaGodol. The 10th of Nisan, four days before the Exodus, was filled with a great sacrifice upon the Jewish people. They have to take the god of the Egyptian and tie it to the the lamb, tie it to their beds, and really be able to stand up to the questioning of the Egyptians. What are you doing with our gods? And, oh, nothing. We're just tying them up in our beds because we're going to slaughter them as a sacrifice to the one real god. Not the most ecumenical approach. And not something that a nation that has been subjugated and made to fear their masters is wont to say easily. So it was a great Shabbos in that regard, and some describes Shabbat HaGadol as the time that the Gadol, the community leader, the rabbi, will get up and give a long presentation on the laws of Pesach, on the themes of Passover, etc., etc. Another good explanation, but I'd like to posit there is a Tradition that the Jewish people kept some form of Shabbat even in Egypt as slaves. And that the emancipation that took place could only take place on the heels of a Shabbat. You see, Shabbat is the basis of our ability to emancipate ourselves, to free ourselves from the ongoing demands of the world around us, the ongoing confusion about our priorities, the ongoing ringing of the cell phones and the messaging and the texting, which probably did not take place in the land of Egypt, although everyone knows that Moses brought down tablets, they were not as compared to iPads. And it was from the cloud, and I've gotten all the cartoons, yes. But ultimately, the freedom of Shabbat is that which allows us to grow into the freedom of total emancipation of Pesach. See, Shabbat forces us to put everything else down. It mandates that we sit with ourselves and with our families. And all of the false gods the bleeding of the tools that surround us, not the lambs, but the bleeding of the ringing and the pings and all of the other stuff. Excuse me for a second, I'm just joking. All of that stuff that so easily distracts us, Shabbat, we become freed from. And that's the necessary step before Pesach, to experience the freedom of leaving Egypt we must absolutely experience the freedom of leaving the false gods of technology that surrounds us, that distracts us, that sometimes subjugates us, to be able to focus on what's real and what's not. There's a great story about Josef Mendelevich. I've, I've told it in the past, but it's, it bears repeating because it's so powerful. When he first came out of the Soviet Union as a refusnik, and I had the privilege of being in the Soviet Union in the old days to teach refusniks, when he came out, he told the story, and he didn't realize how powerful the story was, and I begged him, please, you've got to let people know this. So he was a group, uh, part of a group of Jews. He had just decided to keep Shabbat. And in their group, they wanted to go to Israel and somehow the former Soviet Union wasn't obliging their request. And they had all types of hardships and imprisonments and being beaten, but they still kept learning Torah. When I went to teach and you saw on their tables, in these rundown, overcrowded apartments, photographs that they made of Torah. They actually took pictures of a chumash or of a Torah, or some learning, because they weren't allowed to copy them because in the Soviet Union a copying machine was illegal, had a license. So they would take pictures themselves, and then develop it themselves to have svarim, because there was a dearth of them at the time. And Mendelevich was part of a group that was just they had it, so they decided to borrow a plane. They were going to return it and then pay for it later when they had the assets. And they lived in a town that was close to a small airport, and they saw that there was a plane that carried uh, letters mail into the town, and it stayed overnight, and it fueled at night, and they saw that the morning the pilot would come on and take the next bunch the letters back, and that was part of their uh, mail system. And they figured out that one of them was a pilot, that they could cut through the wire, get into the plane, and take off and fight Israel. That was the goal. Fortunately, Mendelevich described as they were cutting the wires, it was too quiet. It was eerily quiet, but he they had to go through with it at that point. And when they came on the plane in the stealth of the darkness of night, all of a sudden all the lights came on and the soldiers with dogs and they were captured. One of their members, they found out later, was a member of the KGB. And at his trial, he hoped for the next year in Jerusalem. But it didn't stop him from being incarcerated in the worst prison system near Siberia. The Reader's Digest actually showed some pictures of this place, including a small punishment room solitary confinement in the middle of a courtyard in the freezing cold and the Levitch worked in this work camp which was fine for the first few days but when he figured out it was Shabbat they're also supposed to go supposed to get on the bus he said to the guard he said I'm not I'm not going it's Shabbat I'll work double extra but I'm not going today it's it's my Sabbath The guard thought it was like the funniest joke he ever heard. (laughs) Yeah, Ah, Hysterical. Until he realized that Mendeleevich was serious. The commandant who then came over to talk to Mendeleevich told him, we're very honored to have you in the camp and we'll treat you with great respect. And here's your special room until you come to your senses. And that was the room in the middle of this cold and had a board. It had a, a bucket. And that was his facility. And at a door that had a little peephole that the guards would look in and Mendeleevich took a stone from the floor and every day he made a notch to figure out when the next Shabbat was coming. And every day they brought him with for his meals a piece of bread and some water. He took the bread and he said he divided it into three parts. Most of it he ate. The crust he put what he described as the sweetest part of the bread, he put underneath the board. And then he take a little bit of the bread and put it on the plate or the tray to say, okay, I had enough, thank you. You should never overeat. And every day this took place when he realized Shabbat was coming, he took a stone from the floor and he etched in candles the image of candles on the wall of the tin. And then he tore from the hem of his pants two pieces of cloth. One of them he used to cover his head. The other he used to cover the crust of the bread that he took out from underneath his sleeping board. To have a Shabbat feast. And he ate the meal and he described it as I was eating caviar and borscht and delicious meats and pickles, and there was an amazing meal that he ate. Amazing meal. And then he got up and sang Shabbos songs and began to dance. And because it was this small tin room, it made an awful amount of noise, and the guard came to the people and said, Man, the lavish, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm dancing. What does it look like I'm doing? He says, you're dancing. What are you dancing for? He says, I'm dancing because it's my Shabbat. What? Your Shabbat? Do you realize that you are a servant, a slave of the Soviet Union in the most awful punishment cell, in the most awful internment camp throughout all of Russia? What are you dancing about? You're a slave. Vandilevich walks straight up to the people, looked the guard in the eye, beyond the door, and he said to him, my friend, you don't understand. You see, I'm a Jew. Today is Shabbat. Today I'm free. Tomorrow I'll be your slave. Shabbat ha-gadol, the gadel to grow. Before we walk out of Mitzrayim, out of the boundaries and the confinement of servitude, Shabbat offers us the prescription of freedom. We could walk through the wilderness unfettered, but if we're subjugated to the ongoing calls of the technology and the priorities that are other than God and family and goodness and light, then we might as well stay enslaved. Shabbat HaGadol and then Pesach are the keys to our freedom. Shabbat Shalom and a beautiful, meaningful Chag every single person who I'm privileged will listen to this message.